Welcome to the Weekly Juice Podcast, where we discuss all things real estate, personal finance, investing, entrepreneurship, and the many ways to achieve financial independence. We interview accomplished investors and entrepreneurs with the goal that their stories inspire you to take control of your financial future. Here to get your creative juices flowing while also documenting their own personal investing journeys are your hosts, Corey Jacobson and Ryan Bevilacqua. Welcome back to the Weekly Juice. As always, it's your boys, Ryan and Corey here. Today, we had a very fun episode. We had the privilege of interviewing Balakrishnan. He is a tech entrepreneur and real estate investor, as well as developer out in Arizona. He is the founder of the 10Y model, which stands for 10 years to retirement. And we'll get into that throughout the episode. But Bala's story is very, very interesting where he had created a startup tech company out in uh, Silicon Valley and at the same time started investing in real estate. He ended up exiting the technology company for hundreds of millions of dollars, made it super successful. But as he was going through this journey, he was also investing in real estate. And funny enough, he was able to retire himself early through the methodology that he built out called 10 years to retirement by using exponentiality as opposed to the traditional cash flow method yeah. to retire himself before even selling the tech company. He, t- he talked about this in the episode. He was like, I'm s- I was so wealthy on paper. But the reason that he got into real estate was because he didn't actually have the asset or the dollars in his bank account from the technology company, even though he was worth tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. So that exit made him a ton of money, but actually real estate and the foundation for real estate was what retired him even before the exit. So he mentions in the episode, he's like, you know, he's he's um, he's Indian. And he said that Indians are known for real estate and gold. And he's like, I wasn't a gold guy. So I dove into real estate. And I just thought that was a funny like nugget that he threw in there. But so one of the cool things here about this is that Bala kind of built this system of 10 years to retirement, where instead of buying properties and holding them for a longer period of time, he's actually buying them and buying the land and doing ground up development and rolling projects into the next projects where he's able to exponentially grow investors' wealth and his own wealth. So it's when Rye said it was a unique episode, it was something that we actually have an opportunity for people if they're interested to look into it themselves. But Bala does a great job of explaining how this works and how it's not revolutionary in terms of like reinventing the wheel or, you know, um, a rock, a new rocket that goes to to Mars. The point is, is that it's done by other investors, but just the structure of it is different. Yeah, I think um, the the most exciting and fun part about this is we are going to have an opportunity for people to get one on one with Bala and the team. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of well, this episode will really give you kind of the ins and outs of what Ten Y is. But there's an opportunity. He he's built out a fund called you know obviously Ten Y, yeah. and uh, it actually launched about a week ago. And he has an opportunity for accredited investors to come in and invest. Um, and the methodology is like, for example, if you put in a hundred grand, the minimum investment is a hundred grand. And the idea is this hundred grand goes through a roadmap over the course of ten years and exponentially grows at a goal of thirty-two x, right? So it would produce three point two million bucks um, within ten years. And he'll go through the stages and how every two to three years he sells one of the properties and scales up. And it's a really cool framework yeah. um, that I don't think is talked about enough uh, in real estate investing. We always talk about the cash flow method. And I think David Green does a good job of talking about it. it's not, you don't always have to invest for cash flow. People, you got to think about equity and appreciation. But um, yeah, the biggest, of- the biggest part, not to cut you off, right? I just got so excited thinking about it. The, 
the part about the cash flow that I think Bala explains really well is it's not anti-cash flow. It's just cash flow in the right time, meaning when your equity gets built up to a point where the cash flow can actually affect your lifestyle, right? Not that you shouldn't it's kind of hard to go after two, three, four, five hundred dollars a month in cash flow and build it up that way. The point is is to exponentially grow your equity so that you have millions of dollars, two, three, four, five million dollars where that cash flow conservatively at six percent is hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year where that's the type of money that you can live off of. So another cool thing is that we're actually, You'll listen to the episode if you're interested. We're going to have a webinar that kind of goes into further detail. And, and Ryan mentioned the webinar, but it's going to be, we actually have a date for it. It's October 25th at 7 p.m. Eastern. And in the episode, we talk about how to sign up for it. You're going to go to our website, juice-enterprises.com slash 10Y. And there'll be a link to sign up for the webinar. I'd suggest as many people, you know, if you're interested in real estate in general and you're accredited, like sign up and just listen in. Like, there's no pressure. This is not like we're you know not trying to sell anything. The point is, is that anytime that Ryan and I have an opportunity, especially as bright and as awesome as this one, we'd like to bring it to the forefront for people to listen to. Totally. And I think one more thing I want to add here is uh, as you're listening to this episode, there's so many different layers that you realize you're we're in the upper echelon of this thing. Uh, in this game now, because yep. Bala is talking about all the different ways you can invest in properties like this and or in opportunities you can leverage your retirement account. And then there's also a huge tax implication and strategies around to pay less in taxes, obviously legally, but there's, I wouldn't even call them loopholes. It's just strategies around using like transferring depreciations amongst properties because it's within a fund. So there's just layers to this game, man. And this is an episode, it starts, I will say it starts off a little bit slower because the process is broken down, but get through it. Uh, Bala starts juicing you with energy, like as you get halfway through and it really starts to break down the 10Y model and what makes it so exciting. But, yeah. Um, Bala is one of those people that when you listen to him and you you realize the the brain that he has, you you kind of it happened to us. I remember our first conversation with him. I was just like, I feel like I'm in a room with somebody who I'm just privileged to talk to. Like he's 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 done things that that I couldn't dream of doing myself. You know, and in, in the ability to scale a business the way he does, the way he did, and that engineer brain has created an awesome model in real estate. So I don't. You know, the intro doesn't need to be 15, 20 minutes. I mean, you're going to hear it yourself from him. I think we should bring Bala in and, and let's get this party started. Let's do it. When you have investment properties and tenants, you need a good system in place for collecting rent to make it easy as possible. And Rent Ready can help you with everything. When you sign up for Rent Ready, you can start adding your properties, inviting tenants, and creating charges. You can even set up automatic rent reminders and create auto late fees as well. For tenants, they can pay via ACH, card, or even cash using RentReady's web and mobile apps. They can also use an automatic payment setup and sign up for rent reporting so they get rewarded for paying rent on time. RentReady saves you time and hassle by automating rent collection, and you can manage everything from one dashboard. For our weekly juice listeners, RentReady's given us a special 50% off for any RentReady plan using our code WEEKLYJUICE at RentReady.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com using the code WEEKLYJUICE. That's W E E K. L-Y-J-U-I-C-E to save 50% off any rent-ready plan. Bala, officially welcome to the Weekly Juice Podcast. Corey and I are so excited to have you on the show. We have chatted at length here, but um, we are very excited to share your story with our listeners. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Yeah, so this should be fun. Bala, if you could, to kick things off, share a brief background or an introduction on yourself the tech business you started, and then discuss your journey leading up to real estate investing and 10Y. Yeah, absolutely. So 
2008, um, was when I started my own tech company called Peel Technologies. Uh, this was in Silicon Valley that I started this company, raised some seed capital for the company from some angel investors in the Valley. Um, and after that, we followed it up with successful, successive rounds of financing. So altogether, you know, we raised about $96.5 million, approximately $100 million for the company through that journey. And uh, essentially, Peel Technologies was a remote control app on your phone. This was the whole thesis. That was the product. So you could open up the Peel app and then you could control your TV stack, your entertainment stack, as it's called, uh, all the different devices. And this was a worldwide database, meaning you know the product would work the same way in the US as it might work in Japan, Korea, um, South, you know, wherever, you know, wherever in the world, right? So we supported all these countries and all the devices that were available in those countries. And on top of that, we added the layer of TV programming. On top of that, um, and uh, you know, you you can you can drive the experience through the shows. You touch the show, and then we would control all the devices and then take you there. Um, some of the solutions in the market today do this, but in 2008, we were kind of the first solution that brought, brought this out to the market. And we were so successful that, you know, we were premiered on the Apple store, both the hardware store and the, and the app store. Uh, we, we launched as an accessory to the Apple phone and, um, we sold uh, our first batch of units. They were all like manufactured in China. We sold those units out at a record pace that uh, Samsung and other the, the other Android manufacturers came knocking uh, and essentially wanted to take the accessory product and build it into their smartphones, right? So we, we put out what is known in the industry as a reference circuit which is uh, the schematic diagrams of an electronic circuitry uh, with all the details necessary. And we gave it away for free to all our, you know, um, partners, distribution partners, as we call them. That was like, you know, Samsung, HTC, Lenovo, Motorola, Huawei, uh, Sharp, Panasonic, Sony, uh, anybody that manufactured an Android smartphone, uh, this solution was available to them free of cost, right? So these guys would just download our circuits from the website, and implement it on their devices and ship it uh, with our app preloaded on it. So we started getting, you know, uh, millions and millions of users uh, annually uh, come through our system, become our active user base. And very soon we were, you know, um, looking at around 300 million active users worldwide. We had grown the company um, and we were present in every single country. I personally, you know, uh, set up our offices in uh, Europe, uh, in the US. It was, you know, we had a West Coast office, an East Coast office, an office in Chicago, LA. Uh, and as well, you know, our headquarters was in Silicon Valley uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And then we opened an office in uh, Korea, China, um, all these different places just to like run the company and make sure our product worked 
and you know uh, perfectly in all these different places. And so by the time we were done, uh, you know, and then we started monetizing the app through advertisements. So anytime a user would interact with our app, we would then monetize that interaction using an adver advertisement. And then we started making money through that. So by the time we were done, uh, the app was uh, making close to uh, uh, about 70 to $75 million of annual revenue. And we crossed $500 million in uh, valuation for the company. And this was in, um, our high point was really in 2019, 2020. And at that point, we um, exited the company through a transaction that happened, uh, which was highly beneficial um, and lucrative for all our investors and our early employees. And, and while that was happening is when I decided to kind of uh, focus full time on real estate, because while all of this was happening, I was investing in real estate part time. You know, I was um, beginning 2013, 2014 was when I got into my first investment on the side. Uh, you know, I was still running my uh, startup company full time. So the real estate investment was really a part time thing for me that I was doing on my free time and during the weekends, really. And then that portfolio had grown by itself, when I say it, itself, with very minimum time requirement from me to a big number uh, that eventually saw us through to financial independence. In approximately eight, eight to eight and a half years, we had achieved that number using the 10Y methodology with which I think we will go into more detail through this uh, conversation. But really, uh, when all that was happening, so that so so finally, when I uh, you know exit exit Peel, uh, my tech company, then I started doing this full time, and started packaging up all our learnings in real estate, the unique methodology that we used to get to you know financial independence, put that together as a product, and now we offer that for our investors to come and partake. Because we're still executing that methodology. We're still moving forward. So every deal that we are involved with, we offer um, it up to our investors and partners as well for participation. So everyone can benefit out of it. Sure. One of the questions I have, Bala, is that, you know, while you're building this tech company and, mm -hmm. you know, it's obviously a massive undertaking, right? You sold for a, a multi multi-million dollar exit. I'm curious, what got you into real estate investing during that time period in in 2013, 2014? What gave you the idea while you're building this 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 monster on the side? You know, first of all, how did you have the time? But also, what gave you the idea about real estate, and how did you learn about it as you were building the company? Yeah, I'm from India uh, originally, um, and uh, South India to be specific. And they say two things run in uh, the blood of Indians. Uh, one is real estate, the other one is gold. <laughs> I've so, never heard that. I've never heard that before. <laughs> so I had to do it, you know. Uh, and, I, and and real estate is always a big part when you're like growing up in India. Uh, it's a big focus of all of us. Um, so uh, I wasn't that much into gold. Uh, so I guess it was real estate for me. You know, so I'd always been interested by real estate and all these different things. Uh, around real estate. So while we were, while I was doing my tech company, you know, uh, the life of a startup entrepreneur is extremely difficult, right? You go up through ups and downs all the time and your wealth 
is really paper money until you have the final exit, right? Uh, it's just stocks on paper. And unless we prove that the value of the stocks through an exit, um, it really is just on paper. It's not real money. Um, so while we have this, you know, on paper, I was very wealthy, uh, even when I was running my company. Uh, but uh, it wasn't real money in the bank, you know. So me and my wife, my wife, uh, you know, her name is Sri Lata. She, um, you know, she used to work for FICO as a credit analyst, right? So she was, right, she was a scientist there. She was doing algorithms for the consumer debt world where she was trying to, you know, predict uh, behavior versus uh, credit risk profile. Um, and so both of us were geeks. Both of us were very comfortable with models, Excel spreadsheets, performers. So we said, uh, and we kind of like, you know, dabbled in real estate a little bit. And we said, you know, maybe we should, we should pick up real estate as an avenue of investment and then focus on it. And then we were like introduced to some of the popular online resources out there that everybody is aware of like bigger pockets and things like that. So we kind of like read up, educated ourselves and said, no, we should probably play this game a little bit and see how it goes. And we did. Uh, so we got into real estate at around 2013 uh, and we did our first deal. This was a 12 unit uh, multifamily property in Dallas, Texas. And uh, we and that was our first piece of real estate that we owned in the US, uh, you know, after, after we came here. Um, that was our first piece of real estate. We actually purchased that even before we purchased our single family home. You know? um, and uh, essentially the, the thesis was really, you know, pursuing cash flow, right? Which is what we did. So we purchased it, then we improved it. We improved the rents on the property and then we were in positive cash flow domain. Um, but we were kind of not very excited by the cash flow uh, checks that we were getting every month. Uh, we were like, you know, it was it was um, it was four or five thousand dollars a month, and we were like, what do we do with this? This is not life changing. Uh, it's nice, but it's not life changing. And um, and if we had to get to like two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year, this was going to take a very long time, right? Um, to like accumulate all those properties, and we had to have like multiple such properties, and that was going to take us thirty, forty, fifty years. Uh, to get to and then realize retirement. So that whole story for the two of us was very, it was kind of like turned us off. And we were like, uh, what do we do with this? So we got like turned off and then we said, okay, let's sell it. So we sold it, we sold the property. And when we sold the property, something interesting happened. When we went to the market, we realized that uh, once the sale happened, we realized that we had 2.35 times multiplied our original investment in the property, right? Our original investment in the property was approximately $400,000 and we exited the property with like 925K total, total equity, including the original investment equity. So approximately 2.35X um, return on investment for us in approximately 22 months, right? Uh, so this was the aha moment for us. We like, if there is a business model that can double your investment in approximately two years, how would you model it to get to financial independence 
ASAP. That really was the mathematical problem that me and my wife like kind of set up to solve. And it was actually very simple. It's just arithmetic. So we said, okay, if we exited it with this much money and we rolled it over into the next deal and then we exit that and then we kept rolling it over and over, bigger and bigger, then how long would it take us to get to our financial independence goals, right? And the math told us that in approximately 10 years, we would be able to hit that number if we kept doing what we had just done, right? So at that point, we, we decided, okay, that's what we're going to do. So we doubled down and then we rolled our investments into the next deal and then the next deal and then the next deal. So it went off as a cycle that we'd started. And uh, in about eight years, we hit our retirement goals, right? And all of this happened even before my technology company had had an exit. So real estate got us to financial independence even before the technology company that I'd worked on for a really long time got us anywhere. So, and this was a part-time investment. So it really was very powerful for us to see that, you know, here's a methodology and here's what we can do with that methodology in real estate that can get most people to retirement. It's not, not just, you know, my story is not very unique. I'm not a... I'm not like some uh, you know outlier in terms of who I am and and how we live. I'm a pretty average guy with an average lifestyle um, when all this started. So if I could get to retirement using this methodology, then my hunch is a lot of people can utilize this methodology and get to a similar outcome, right? Uh, what worked for us should work for most of us. Um, totally. Yeah. So really, that's what the excitement was. And that's the whole story. Yeah. So this is interesting, Bala, because Ryan and I, it's similarly in our stories, we kind of found this out the hard way where when you, everyone first gets started in a real estate, they think about cash flow. That's the number yes. one thing that comes to mind because most people are trying to escape their jobs from cash flow that comes in from properties. But what you're yeah. actually saying is that the cash flow is not substantial enough in the beginning to even right. make an impact on your journey, right? It's, yes. it's not until you have amassed enough cash two, three, four, five, six million dollars where you can take a 6% return on your cash flow to actually live off of those dollars, right? So your model, which is called the 10Y model, yes. you know, 10 years to retirement is telling people, focus on the equity first and the cash flow second, which is contrary to popular belief in the real estate game, especially when people are first getting started and being sold the dream of cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. I'm curious if you could explain 10Y, you implemented it, it worked for you. Maybe mm -hmm. just the two minute overview of how this actually works and why you've reverse engineered it. Yeah, sure, yeah. And and that's the whole exciting part, right? Um, how does it work? So, you know, I wanna um, add a little bit of caveat to what you just said is that, you know, I'm not anti-cash flow, right? I think, you know, cash flow is good. We all understand cash flow, so that is good. My only message is cash flow at the right time is better, right? Um, it will make better sense at the right time, right? So when you see real estate, there are two ways in which you can play real estate. One is why you know what we all know as the cash flow game, which is you buy it and then rents come in, expenses go out, you pay some mortgage, what is left is cash flow, right? 
this is kind of the buy and hold methodology of real estate. There are other flavors of buy and hold or slight variations of this, but essentially it is you're buying and either just holding it for cash flow or you're buying it, improving it, and then holding it for cash flow, right? Um, so you could, you, could, you, you could do that. The problem with this approach is, um, so let's say you take $200,000, right? Then you go buy a million dollar property. The cash flow that it will generate, if we assume it's a good property in a good location, it's approximately five to 6%. 5% on a $200,000 investment, you know, what is that? Uh, $10,000? Something like that, right? It's like ten thousand dollars, right? What do you do? And that's a that's in a whole year, right? So you bought a million dollar property using a two hundred thousand dollar down payment, and you have ten thousand dollars in annual cash flow to show for it. The I suspect the average income that a regular family in the U.S. needs to say they'll be financially free would be close to like $200,000, if not more, on a yearly basis, right? So if you say, okay, I need $200,000 of annual income to call myself comfortably retired, then if you're working with $10,000 annual cash flow per property, how many properties do you need to amass before you hit the $200,000 number, right? Only 20, 20 properties. Yes. Yep. 20 properties, right? Like, just think about that for a second. I don't think a lot of people think about this, right? Everybody is excited about the $1,000 a month, $2,000, $3,000 a month cash flow that they're getting. But really, what is the strategy behind that? We could dabble in real estate, but unless we stitch it together to make a powerful strategy, we're not going anywhere, right? And that really is the message, right? So going back to the question, so if you're making $10,000 cash flow, how many properties do you need to amass before you get to $200,000? That's 20 properties. How many years does it take a family to save up $200,000? Right. How many years? On could an be, it could be five, It 10. could be 10. Yeah, it depends on how much, how well you save, but it could be a lot of years. <laughs> be a lot of years. Let's assume that they aggressively save up, right? And they're able to get there in three years. This is aggressive. But I'm saying let's, let's, let's take the aggressive approach and see how long it takes. If you say three years to buy one property, then to get to 20 properties, it will take you 60 years, right? This is not 60, this is not when you are 60, but 60 years from today. You may be 30 years when you're starting out on this journey. If you add 60 to that, you're 90 years old, right? There is no strategy here, right? This is not a strategy, right? Um, and we kind of saw that. And when we saw that, we were like, hmm, we need to like tweak this a little bit because our our goal or our dream was always early retirement. I mean, retirement is like boring, right? I mean, we don't want to talk about retirement, but early retirement is very exciting, right? So how do you get to early retirement, right? And 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 you know, if if you can get to like retirement in like 10 years, 15 years, I would say that's early retirement. So then really it looked like the cash flow game is not set up for retirement. It's not set up for effectively getting to early retirement. You cannot do it. The math does not, it's not possible, right? It's not possible. So then what we did was when we sold the property, we realized that, hey, you can play real estate 
in another way, right? And that way is instead of just sitting on it and taking the 5%, 6%, whatever that is, cash on cash, if you sell it, you double the income. So now you're playing the wealth multiplication. Right? So then the question is, okay, if I play the wealth multiplication game, then how much in assets or how much of wealth would I need before I can call it retirement? Right. And that's a personal subjective question that every family needs to answer for itself. Right. What is retirement for me may be different from what is retirement for someone else. Right. So it's a very subjective number. So you think about that and which we did. And then we came up with, we said, okay, if we if we apply the 5% rule or 6% rule, um, then we take, okay, I need 200K for my uh, retirement or 300K, whatever that number is. And then I divide that by 5%, then that's the net worth that I need to amass before I can use that wealth to create retirement for me, right? So then the question is, if I have a strategy where I can multiply wealth by two, every two to three years, then I can reverse calculate from there. Okay, that's the target. And if every cycle I'm doubling, then the previous cycle has to be half of what um, I would have now, right? So, so then you take the target number, you half it once, you have it again, and then you keep doing that until you come down. And each year, each cycle, you assume it's like gonna take you anywhere from two to three years. Then you do the math then you know, okay, I, I need to run these many cycles and then I will get to retirement in these many years and then that'll be my strategy, right? So any anybody can do this exercise. It's very, very simple. It's, it's just plain, simple arithmetic. And that's what we did. So we are all for cash flow, but we don't think, you know, cash flow before your wealth is significant is a good strategy. That's not a strategy, right? So... Overall, this is your the 10Y model, 10 years of retirement is essentially a roadmap to financial independence through investing one time. What you're doing now, and we'll get to this too, but you really have a syndication model, right? Where you're going down, taking, you're building ground up development and going through this process of every two, three years selling the property yes. and trading up till you get to 10 years, right? And like that one-time investment from somebody will take them to their retirement number. And obviously there's intricacies woven in. We have a ton of questions for you within that, but- my biggest question here, true, and I think a lot of people are probably wondering, it's like, it's not that easy to double and sell your property for double what it was at any amount of time. So how are you actually putting this through your model? Like, how can you say that four hundred thousand dollar property, for example, how did you know it was going to be worth eight hundred, nine hundred grand, and then the next cycle, how do you know it's going to double from there and there and there? Is that through the underwriting, or what's your process? Yeah. So. Contrary to popular belief, um, most real estate investments with average execution will get you to 2x equity month. Most, most deals will do this, right? Unless you like overpay or anything, right? So anytime we're like looking at a deal, we want to make sure that it is going to 2x investor capital. If it's not going to do that, we obviously will not get into that deal, right? So, um, any deal that we touch, right? And and as of now, we are only focused on ground up new development. Now, um, and that's because, you know, I, I built my fortune on um, value add multifamily. 
but value-add multifamily has become such an overpriced asset because there's been a lot of money chasing these deals that prices have been bid up that, you know, three, four years ago, I decided, you know, uh, value-add multifamily just doesn't exist. You know, you cannot double your capital on these overpaid deals, you know, um, where people were like paying a lot of money uh, on uh, that they shouldn't, you know, um, uh, it, it just became an uh, an overpriced asset, right? And so it became difficult to generate a 2x multiple, right? Which is when I started going into ground up new development. Right? In ground up new development, the cost of land is marginal compared to the whole project cost. If you're building 200 units, you're probably purchasing 10 to 14 acres of land, right? And you would have to build your units there. And the cost of land is always marginal. Approximately 15, 20% of your total project cost is land cost. The rest of the cost is just construction cost. And what we found was the biggest delta or the biggest cushion or the biggest profit margin, whatever you want to call it, um, is, the is the largest uh, in ground up new development. So ground up new development always, always, always will provide more uh, profits compared to a regular deal because the delta between cost of construction and new value uh, is always significantly high, right? Um, and there we are able to consistently generate 2x returns no matter what, right? And we more and we only operate on the Phoenix Metro market. We don't operate anywhere else. Uh, we have very deep relationships with this market. Uh, our team here is like fantastic. We have some of the rock stars of the Phoenix Metro market are here with me uh, as part of my team, um, and we know this market really, really well. So we can we can do you know two x LP returns all day long here, right? Um, so really, it's a combination of picking the right execution strategy, which at this point is ground up development. But if the current situation continues, I think multifamily value add deals are becoming more and more attractive as the interest rates are you know, climbing up. So there may be a time when we may go back into multifamily value add deals uh, if the price is right, right? Uh, we're not seeing it yet, but if it, if it does get there, fantastic, we'll go do that, right? We'll be opportunistic about it. But, um, the ground-up new development offers us the biggest bang for the buck in terms of returns, right? Um, at the project level and then at the LP level, everywhere it offers the biggest bang for the buck, and that is what we focus on. So, Bala, the biggest difference between the 10Y model and most traditional syndication models, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like instead of, call it a seven-year period for a real estate deal, right? Like that is the the buy, the renovation, and then the uh, either a refinance and then this hold period where you're holding for five years and you're holding this cash flow. It sounds to me like 10Y is essentially taking that seven-year model and shrinking it to two years. And what you're doing instead of uh, staying in that hold period where you're getting marginal returns on your money, you just immediately shrink it down to the the I guess the build period where your returns are so significant that you can take them and flip them into the next one. So you can do in that seven year time frame three deals where you're going two x two x two x as opposed to two x and then holding at that percentage for that five year time frame. Is that kind of how you've modeled it? That is exactly how we model it. Yeah, you said it well. That's exactly how we model it. If you take a real estate deal, 
and you look at it carefully. Anytime you're adding value, whatever it may be, you may be adding value by doing renovations to it, or you may be adding value by doing ground up construction, whatever way you're adding value to it. Any deal cycle can split into two phases. Phase one is the value addition phase, right? Most of the value is created, like 90, 95% of the value is created in that phase. Then the remaining phase, which is the cash flow of the whole period, generates very little money, you know, uh, in the large scheme of things, right? Uh, so really, the question is, okay, if I'm able to generate so much wealth in that value addition phase, right, uh, or improvement phase, or ground up construction phase, whatever you want to call it, and then I I I, I make like five percent, six percent, seven percent cash on cash for the real, for the whole period, then I'm I'm not I'm not in, I'm not interested in that. Let me multiply my wealth first. And once my wealth is multiplied and significant enough, then I will use it to generate cash flow for me on which I can retire, right? But if I do it, if I, if I bet on cash flow too early, then I miss out on retirement, right? It's a strategic blunder in my opinion. So the 10Y model, it kind of seems revolutionary, but it's not. You broke it down for us. Not Anyone can do this. Anyone I want to talk about... Yeah. The key strategies and principles that you employ with 10Y, how are you be using these today to set people up for retirement in 10 years from now? Yeah, yeah, great question. So, okay, so um, we really have to, so it's like, so, you know, we put these deals together to uh, to generate a 2X, minimum 2X equity multiple for our LP investors, right? The question is, okay, once we do that, and a lot of other syndicators are doing the same thing, right? Um, there's a lot of people that can provide a 2x multiplying deal, right? It's not it's not uncommon. It's very, very common, right? Um, so we do that as well. So it's, we're not doing some crazy deals. We do the same vanilla 2x equity multiplier deals, right? The real question is, okay, what do we do after that? Right? What is the business model? What is the underlying business model? If the underlying business model was, Here's your 2x. We'll come back when we have the next deal. Then that's not 10y, right? That's just a regular thing that's out there, whatever most people are doing, right? In 10y, what we do is the whole game plan is focused on just two things. The underlying concepts of exponentiality is consistent multiplication. So we have to multiply the money in each cycle. And then we have to reinvest the proceeds into the next deal. Right, so it's it's uh, reinvesting and it's multiplying, right? and if we do that repetitively, then that is what is known as compounding. Right, compounding really leads to exponentiality. Right? So um, let's take a step back. So in arithmetic, right, um, in mathematics, you know they say repeated multiplication is exponentiation. Whereas repeat addition is multiplication. Right? So most people outside, when they do like real estate deals, they're doing, you know, repeated addition. If you're buying one property now and then you refinance it, you buy another property now. You go from you you you're pretty much like buying the same sized property one more time. Then you buy the same sized property one more time. So if you have a ten unit building. And in your, you're, you know, able to execute amazingly, and then refi all your proceeds out, or all, all of your, all of your original invested capital. Then what you can go buy in the market 
will be exactly similar to the property that you already own, right? So if you're adding one asset every year of the same size, that's what I call addition. You're adding, right? In the 10Y model, because we are doing multiplication and reinvesting, the 10 unit becomes a 20 unit in the next cycle, and the 20 becomes a 40 unit in the next cycle, and the 40 becomes an 80 in the next cycle. So, so we are consistently multiplying the number of units you, you will own in each cycle, right? And that's where it goes exponential, right? And in order to do that, the logistics of how we operate as a company has to be uh, dialed in for exponential performance, right? So, and that by that, I mean like every facet of our operations has to be really, really, really focused on delivering these exponential returns, right? So if you take a look at the deal cycle, it starts with acquisition in the first place, right? Which means when, when we purchase the property and we improve it and then we sell it, the next deal into which the capital rolls into has to be ready. If it's not ready, then the model breaks. The conveyor belt stops, right? So we cannot allow that. So the, the conveyor belt has to keep on moving, right? The train has to keep on going, right? There's, we, we cannot stop it. For the next five cycles, it's got to be in continuous motion, right? If we stop it, then you pay the price, right? Um, so the way we do that is because we're doing ground up construction, you know, this is one of the reasons we chose, you know, ground up construction as our underlying uh, asset that we will work on is while we are building the property for our investors, when, you know, while we are executing a deal that's already in motion, we are already working on identifying the replacement property for when that deal, when the previous deal exists, right? So we go out to the market on our own diamond list. We identify properties out there, and then we go through the zoning process, the planning process, the entitlement process, all of that, and we get it fully entitled. So-called shovel-ready status is what is known as in the real estate parlance, and that is that you know we have everything that we need to start work immediately. Once a project reaches that stage, that's when we bring it and offer it up to our investors for investment, right? So we this is this is a risky part of the business that we do not expose our investors to, right? We take that risk on our dime, right? And we can do that because we have we have that wherewithal to do that, right? Then once that deal is ready and all that risk is out of the system, then we bring that and we offer it to our investors. And that could be a, a new deal that is starting, like for example, right now, or it could be the successive deal to which these investors will hop onto when they sell their previous asset, right? So as soon as they get on the next deal, then we are off looking for the replacement for, for, for that deal. So we are always like two years ahead of where our investors are, right? Yep. So by doing that, Consecutively, we make sure that the pipeline stays in motion. It keeps on going, right? So I have a uh, question for you yeah. when you're weaving through this. So I'm thinking of this from the mind of an investor, right? So let's just say hypothetically, for deals like this, 
Yeah. Most syndications are roughly a hundred grand that, that people need to put in. Right. And they're like, and I'm, th- if I'm thinking I'm an investor, I'm like, okay, hundred yeah. grand. And then I'm going to get to my retirement number. Let's call it like, I think if you 32 exit, call 3.2 million bucks in 10 years, yes. giving a hypothetical example. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my thought is when you get into these deals, you present this opportunity, right? I know I'm going to have to keep leapfrogging, leapfrogging and, and, and compounding over time. Yeah. How, how is my hundred thousand dollars being used? Like, where are you implementing this, this into, is it just for the build or can you, can you weave me through that? And then can you also talk about how like one, one deal cycle ends and it jumps into another, yeah. are you sourcing more funds from, or is it all the capital gains that you got from the first deal just rolled yeah. into the next? Good question. So, so what, how, how, how is the fund spent? So um, once we take possession of the shovel ready project, then the funds are used for, of course, to pay for the land and to finance the whole construction, right? So we go to a, uh, so our our sources of debt, right? The the so-called like banks that lend money, right? Uh, so typically we get anywhere from 70 to 75% leverage on these deals on the total project cost. And the rest of it is that is the equity stack. So the equity stack is where our investors come in, the pooled resources, right? The pooled equity stack that comes in and then that becomes you know 25 to 30% of the total overall cost the rest is 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 financed right and then that money gets spent um to to build the whole project and get it to stabilization right so that's where that money is spent so when you're going when you ex- close one deal right and you're about to go on to the next deal right let's call it yeah. the the 10 unit to the 20 oh, yeah, yeah. in the yeah, next yeah. stage yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, so um, yes, so through the entire ten year ten year journey, once we so this is called the fund. So the the ten year fund. Once we raise capital for the first deal, the investors that are on board with their funds, that's it. We don't raise any more capital, right? Because we intend to multiply, reinvest and compound their wealth again and again and again to get them to retirement, right? So while we are doing this, if we are taking fresh investors in, it just complicates the whole process because different people are in different vintages now. And when, you know, can they exit now? Or who, who exits this year? Or who is not exit? It gets very complicated very quickly, right? And for that purpose, we call this like cohorts, investor cohorts, if you will. Once our investor cohort is defined in the beginning, that's it. It doesn't change. There is no new capital coming in. And uh, we don't plan to raise money for that fund anymore. That's it. It's done. So when we sell that property, all of those proceeds get rolled into the next deal. And then and then when we sell that deal, then all of those proceeds get rolled into the next deal. And then throughout that, 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 that 10 year journey, we are the operators, our investors are the operators, the same set of, you know, the the, the same team executes throughout. There's no change. Sure. Cool. With that, I think a lot of people are probably thinking, well, what if the property doesn't sell? What do you guys do at that point, right? We're talking about everything running smooth for 10 yeah. years. Yeah. We know the market goes up and down, has ebbs and yeah. flows. Yeah. Say you can't sell, what's your plan of attack? Yeah, good question. So, you know, there are two things that I'm saying, right? And you should take this with a grain of salt, right? So I'm saying... We will 2x multiply your invested equity in each deal. This is a key part of what I'm saying. The other key part of what I'm saying is 
each cycle will take approximately two to three years. Right? And I keep saying that. Right? Those are the two fundamental assumptions here. Right? So when you think about it and when you process this, you should apply a risk factor to it. Right? You should say, okay, what if this guy doesn't give me 2x? Um, if, you, if you say 2x, and if you do that five times, that's two to the power five multiplying effect, right? So the two becomes four, the four becomes eight, eight becomes 16, and 16 becomes 32, right? So if we do it over five cycles, the expectation is that we will give you 32 times the original invested capital, right? At the end of the 10-year 10, 10 journey or at the end of the five deal cycle, right? Now, you should think about, okay, and can we really pull off a 32x multiplying factor? You know, you should ask that question. Then you should say, okay, maybe, maybe it'll only be, it may, maybe it will not be a 32x. Maybe it will be a 25x. Maybe it will be a 20x. Maybe it'll be a 15x. Maybe it'll be a 10x, right? Um, and then you, you should, you should do, you should look at that, and then you should, you should, you should pick whatever number you're comfortable with. And and I, I would advise people to you know, think about it like this. Even if we cut this by half, right? even if we say we're only going to be 50% as successful as we are saying we would be, that's still 16 times original invested capital in a period of 10 years. That's still a phenomenal return on you know, compared to any other retirement vehicle, I mean, I mean any other you know, investment vehicle out there, right? That's still phenomenal returns. Now, um, even if we cut that by another 50%. Let's say we only perform at 25% of what we say we, we will perform. That is still going to be an 8x multiple, an 8x multiplying effect. That's still phenomenal returns, right? So, so the cushion or this the safety net is so big here because we are focused on exponentiality, right? Each time the potential for the deal is so big that as long as we stay in that zone. The profit margins, you know, you can call it profit margin or safety margin. They're, they're, they're the same, but essentially it's the difference between you, what the, the value that you add and the cost, right? Because it's so big, you are always in the safety zone, right? The question is, okay, how how fantastic a safety zone will I be? That's all the questions, right? So um, within this, not to cut you off, I have a question. So it, it's, it's baked into the same methodology here, but say we're on to uh, the third turn here. We're at about to be at the 16, 16 times the original 100K that we put in, right? What if you can't sell at that point? And I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, man, I have question. all yeah. this money in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I get out and are you guys yeah. just holding for cash flow? What's the play? Yeah, yeah. So um, this is the second part of the assumption, which is each deal cycle takes two to three years, right? Now the question is, okay, what if we cannot sell one of these cycles? Let's say we are in cycle number four and uh, the economy turn goes south and uh, we are not able to sell it at whatever the performer price, price was, right? So at that point, what do we do? All our deals, because they are ground up construction deals, our, our, our spread between our cost and value is so big that our cash on cash numbers are super healthy. Our cash on cash numbers are like 8%, 9%, 10%, right? So in those scenarios, we just hold. We just hold it. So one of these cycles, maybe instead of being a perfect two, two and a half year kind of like turnaround, it may end up being, you know, maybe it is 36 months, uh, you know, two years, you know, maybe it's 30 months or 36 months, or maybe it's like even a bit 
even longer than that, you know? So for you, you should be thinking, uh, if, you're, if you're an investor listening to this podcast, here, here's how you should be thinking about this, right? What if a couple of these cycles go over what we have assumed it would be, right? Um, then how much would it go over is a real question, right? So let's say, let, let's say, let's say we double the time. Instead of the two years, let's say one of these cycles is going to be twice that time, four years, right? Even in that case, you're looking, instead of what you're looking at a 10-year cycle or, or a 10-year um, period, you're now looking at a 12-year period, right? That's all it's going to be. Um, and if you wanted to exit at any duration, you could. Um, you can, you can, you know, uh, exit, exit the, uh, af after the third cycle, if you want to exit, you can exit, you know, there's the, we're not, we're not holding you here, uh, by any means. So, um, really, you know, you should think about, okay, the rate of returns 32 X, um, and you should apply a risk factor to it, um, to something you believe is like realistic. And then the two, two to three year period, even though in my life that has been possible, I've executed deals where I've like, you know, turned around and exited it in a year. Sometimes it's taken me three, three and a half years to exit. So, on, but on an average, I've always exited, uh, you know, two and a half years. It's been my average execution time, right? Cool. So, Paul, I think a really important uh, thing to note here is the team that's put together to execute a de these deals, right? Like if you're going to take people from an $100,000 original investment to $3.2 million in 10 years, this is, um, this is first of all, it's an awesome uh, way to multiply your money. And it sounds really intriguing, but it doesn't happen alone, right? You're not operating this alone. I'm curious about putting together the team that's in place that helps execute uh, the the entire strategy, whether that's property managers or lawyers or um, construction teams, like how have you developed a team that you can trust that can bring people through the entire execution of the project? Absolutely. That's a fantastic question. Um, that is like the single most important thing that we have to focus on every single day, right? We have to have like the best of the best in this market on our team. Uh, there is no other way that this can be executed, right? So right from the beginning of the of 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 this project phase all the way till the very end, um, each key role has to be executed by a rock star, right? And we have those rock stars on on the team. It's taken me two and a half years to assemble this team together. It's been incredibly difficult because these are like you know big names that I had to like bring in into ten Y, and we are we are starting out so. Uh, there's no reason they, they had to come here. And they came here because they can see the model, they believe in the model, and they've seen what I've done personally. And uh, coupled with their execution strengths, we as a team are, you know, uh, are super sure about ourselves that we can actually execute this, right? So if you actually take a, a project, the first phase is really land planning. When it's like ground up new construction, you're always looking at land planning, right? Um, so for that, we have, you know, Andy Barron and our zoning attorney, um, Brennan Ray, right? These two guys are very well-known, highly, highly, highly respected professionals in the industry, and they are part of the GP team, right? Um, these guys put together have probably, uh, you know, designed and helped execute 
more than 100 to 200 master plan communities and each community having uh, close to 3,000 to 4,000 residential units, both home homes and multifamily, right? These are like giant projects. And we have like the creme de la creme of the Phoenix market um, on our team, right? The best of the best is now, you know, batting for us. And then the next phase, you know, once the land planning and the entitlement, all of that process is done, which is where Andy and Brennan focus on, right after that, we get to do the actual, actual execution of it, which is, you know, the, 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 the construction and all of that, right? Uh, both the horizontal construction and the vertical construction. There, again, we have Shelby Duplessis, um, who's built you know, about 5,000 multifamily units in the Phoenix metro market in the last eight years, and close to like 7,000 single-family residences in the Phoenix metro market in like various, di various different uh, developer firms um, that she's executed in. So she's part of our team. Uh, she is in charge of all construction. Right? And the oh. actual team that will be executing the project is our builder partner. And our builder partner is Makers Line. And uh, Makers Line is a large construction company. They operate in 12 states as of now. Um, and they are a partner in our deal. And when I say partner, what that means is they they invest in our deals along 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 with us and they also sign on our loan right um, so they are guaranteeing all our loans and you know in in any construction project construction is the most important one and here's a partner that we have that actually puts their uh money where their mouth is right and literally <laughs> right uh, in this case um and these guys have built you know thousands and thousands and thousands of units and uh, we have built the capacity right now uh, to be able to execute the last last phase. The, the, the fifth cycle, when we execute this, will be a huge cycle. And we have we have the capacity today because we know we'll be needing that eventually. And we have kind of staffed ourselves with that capacity right away. Got it. Yeah, I think for Ryan and I, the the um, one of the most impressive aspects of the entire journey and meeting you and Derek and the team is that the the team that we've met, I mean, the team that we've interacted with, we've met syndication attorneys, multiple syndication attorneys who are just highly regarded in their field. And it made us feel comfortable that you really kind of assembled the Avengers here to go. And you need the Avengers to, to, to make this happen, right? I mean, it's it's, yeah. a, it's a prerequisite to the high performing quality assets is having the best of the best. And it sounds like that you have. So I think that's that's a really um, it's important note, and and I was impressed when I was learning about it. Oh yeah. So next year for me is um, I'm thinking about now, right? We we're talking about the methodology, and I know you have a project ongoing right now. Can you talk to what's currently open to investors and um, people that are interested? How they would specifically get involved? And within this conversation, my thought is, you know, I know you're planning five years ahead and even further, literally ten years ahead here, but. My thought is, is this first deal, uh, how many units is it? What what specific part of Phoenix is it in? And then can you talk to like the stages and evolution of this thing? Absolutely. So, you know, um, let's take a step back. Most syndication deals are not thinking about what happens to the taxes when they exit the deal, right? That's pretty much the investor's headache, right? They'll give you a 2X 
and then you, the investor, will have to like deal with it, right? You have to like pay the taxes, and then the rest is really your profits, right? And we've kind of taken a different approach here. What we're saying is our goal is to deliver 2x returns in all our deals without any tax consequence, right? And we do that by architecting the fund that we have set up uh, in a very unique way so that it provides inbuilt tax mitigation uh, affordances that are like inbuilt into the deal, right? And I'll go into this in a little bit of detail, but essentially it is set up as a 10-year fund and this fund, the fund size is about $30 million. That's what we are raising right now. And we launched this fund last week. Um, last Thursday to be specific is when we launched it. So it's not even been a week. Um, now, what this fund will do is it will, it will, it will acquire and build a book of properties. It will not build one single property. It will build multiple properties within that one, one fund. And the reasons are twofold. One is because we are spreading the equity over multiple deals, we are diversifying risk automatically, right? The risk is being spread out over multiple properties. It's not concentrated on one property, right? The second thing that we do is when you hold a bouquet of properties, what it allows you to do from the tax vantage point is it now allows you or the entity, the fund in this case, to trade depreciation between properties. What I mean by that is, let's say in one year you plan to sell a property, then the properties that you continue to hold will provide the depreciation necessary to cancel out the capital gains so that your tax bill becomes zero for that year. So we're kind of architecting for not just a 2x return to the investor and then you deal with your taxes, but we are also dealing with the taxes by putting in place very smart strategies wherein the tax strategy is kind of built into how we execute things. So within that, I think that's not to cut you off too. Are you buying these properties? When I say buying these, buying the land and building these up in opportunity zones? Isn't that part of it? No, so the previous deal was the or the previous fund was just focused on opportunity zones. The new fund is is an opportunity zone. We're not going to be focused on opportunity zones. It's like regular deals. So we have access to the entire market versus opportunity zone. You have to go seek out the opportunity zone properties. Not so in this case. We we look at all deals. All deals are candidates for us. And then of course we'll pick the ones that are best performing. And then we apply this strategy, the you know this this depreciate you know, using depreciation to cancel out capital gains. It's a it is it's a very well known strategy. A lot of investors use it, and we this deal is specifically architected to take advantage of that. Right. So all three deals will be ground up new construction. So we are we are we are we are targeting three deals. One, the first one that will be closing will be closing sometime in late October November. Um, that deal is a 136 unit deal in South Phoenix in a affluential neighborhood of Phoenix called Levine. The second deal is going to be in um, the city called Surprise, uh, which is north, slightly northern Phoenix. And then the third deal is going to be very close to the TSMC fabs that are being built. Um, you know, as you may know, uh, Arizona has now become the top 
semiconductor industrial base of America. Uh, most companies have moved their semiconductor operations to um, Arizona. So all the chips, everything's being like manufactured here. TSMC is the world's largest chip manufacturer out of Taiwan. And uh, they are building um, America's largest semiconductor manufacturing plant here in Phoenix, in the Phoenix metro market. And we are going to be 10 minutes away from that uh, location. So these are the three three projects that we are going after. Um, and 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 between these three properties is is how we will you know uh, we'll build all three. Then we sell one in one year, hold the rest for um, depreciation for that year, and then the next year we sell the next one. So it's called depreciation staggering. And if done properly, uh, then the entire ten y journey can be delivered uh, tax free to our investors. Right? That's the whole whole game. Even in so transfer like. Fast forwarding to year ten, that would also would that also wipe out the end sale of the last I guess the the whatever properties are left in the fund at that point. So that is called exit planning, and uh, exit phase planning is something that we will we will start doing as soon as we get into the fourth cycle, right? As soon as we um, are like midway through fourth cycle, we will get everybody. Uh, and we are planning to hire one of the big four accounting firms um, uh, and bring their expertise in house. You know, Pricewaterhouse, Coopers, Deloitte, one of the big fours, Ernst Young, uh, and have them like advisors on a per investor basis on how to make sure that the exit out of the fund into the investor's pocket is done in the most tax efficient manner possible. Right? Got it. There are multiple strategies that are available there. The simple strategy that we could do is the fifth cycle, instead of selling it, we refinance it. And then we distribute the proceeds out to the investors. Right. And then they just end up, you know, owners, part owners of this huge development that we have. And that property is just held for cash flow. Right. And then, so they now have the 32X multiple as asset sitting inside this cash producing building. And they're earning their retirement money from the same asset class, right? Got it. So, okay. So we just like deliver it like that. It's like it's, it's simple. Um, if some investors want to completely exit and take their money and walk out, there are affordances built in for that as well. They're like multiple tax opportunities that allow you to do that as well. Cool. Um, so yeah. So Bala, I think a lot of people that are listening to the show are looking for a solid investment opportunity. I'm curious on the avatar of the individual that you feel would be best suited to invest in 10Y. We're going to get into how to do that if people are are interested. I know that um, the fund is accepting accredited investors, but if you're talking to somebody who's potentially interested, who do you think that person should be and and why why are they right, the right fit for the deal? Yeah, I mean, um, we speak with all our investors one-on-one -on -one before we sign them up as our investor, right? And uh, and the reason for us like talking to them is to exactly answer this question. Like, are, is this person a fit for what we have, right? Um, so here's what we advise our investors, right? So we tell them, hey, you know, first think about your retirement and figure out what you really need, right? And when I say what you really need, I mean, what is your number really? What is your, where, where does your wealth number need to be? 
is a personal exercise that you and your family need to do. And we we help with this. We offer several resources that you can use, learn from, and then do simple math to arrive at that number. Right. Once you arrive at that number, then we help you figure out what your starting point needs to be. Right. And that starting point needs to be a comfortable number for you, the investor. Right. It cannot be a number that you invest and lose sleep over. If that is the case, then we would say, you know, why don't you tone it down a little bit and then start with a smaller number, something that you're comfortable with, and then see how it performs over a couple of cycles. Then you can maybe participate in a future fund that we have. Right. Um, but really, don't play with money that you're not comfortable with. You know, uh, is like the first test that we yeah, try. Sure. To uh, I think that's yeah. I think that's good to to talk about, right? It's 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 hard to weigh risk because. You know, everybody has their own tolerance for it. Um, you know what I mean? There's a lot of people that earn a significant portion of income. Some people don't. Some people save more than they do. So I think it's important to dial it back and talk through different situations, but everybody has to make their own decision. I'm thinking about this too. Like a lot of people that get involved in syndications are technically, or more often than not, I shouldn't say every person, but it tends to be high earning individuals that lack the time, but they have the funds to invest. And they're like, listen, I just need to make this thing grow. I've been looking into real estate forever. I just don't have the time to put the team together. Can can you provide me with opportunities? Then they they come into the cycle and you know they Absolutely. can navigate the conversations, vet people and say, hey, like, okay, this is something I want to do. I'm thinking about this as if it, you're, you know, someone like Corey and I, right? Like we make a significant income from a bunch of different buckets, but we're also saving up for retirement. We have 401ks. We talk to a lot of people too. I think that's another avenue for people to think about. You, let's say you're a hiring individual and, and you know whatever age you may be, but maybe you have a ton of money stacked up in your 401k. Can you talk to the the ability to this? And I'm, I assume 10Y has this ability to, um, we've, we've, other individuals have done this in other deals that we know is like a self-directed IRA and you redirect your retirement funds into it. So like, Let's say you have 500K sitting, but you're willing to fork up 100K to try it to say, hey, like, I'll take a risk of 100 grand in 10 years if you're going to give me 3.2 back. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, investing with retirement money is very exciting because it offers an additional layer of tax strategy, right? Uh, If you're using self directed IRA or solo 401K, then these investment vehicles come with inbuilt. Um, because they are retirement vehicles, they come with tax strategies inbuilt into them, right? So when there's gain, capital gains realized by these, um, you know, a self-directed IRA or 401k entity, then the the tax treatment for this is very different from how it would be where you to invest your own uh, post-tax money, right? Um, So I would encourage people to like take advantage of this and 10Y is set up to take retirement funds in and then you're, you know, we multiply it, and that money goes back uh, into your retirement vehicle, wait, you know, waiting for you. Uh, so you could get to like rapid um, retirement uh, by utilizing your 401k or your IRA money, you know. Um, and it gets an additional layer of tax protection, so which makes it even, even, even better. Cool. So the the good news here is that there is an opportunity to learn more and i think that's what's exciting for people i mean everyone will have their own tolerance for what they what they would like to get involved in uh, ryan and i are really excited about this opportunity and we are going to have a webinar coming up that talks more about it so if people want to learn more maybe have the potential to ask one-on-one questions um and figure out what 10y the next layer deep so 
I, I mean, I'll just talk about the, our website here if you if that's the best way for people to get. Yes. Yeah. So the best, yeah, for people that are interested, um, we're hosting a webinar on October 25th at seven o'clock um, in the evening. So that's hopefully Eastern. Eastern time. Yep. So basically, what you want to do is go to our website. It's juiceenterprises.com. So that's J-U-I-C-E-enterprises.com forward slash 10Y. So we have a whole page built out, gives a little background on Bala, um, a deeper dive into the fund and also has an investor deck. Because I know there's probably a lot of questions going through this. There's layers to it, right? We've talked about the fund. We've talked about scaling up and and trading up properties. So uh, there's layers to this thing, to say the least. So we decided to put a webpage together so that pretty much all questions could be answered. And then hopefully you'll join us for the webinar to do a one-on-one with us, Bala, uh, Derek, a couple other members of the team. We can really break this thing down. And um, you know, the minimum investment is a hundred grand. You have to be an accredited investor, but we think this is going to be uh, a fun conversation, right? And it's an, it's a, it's an exciting opportunity to present to our listeners. Yeah. I would also say for people that are interested in investing in general that are accredited investors that want to learn more about what's out there. It seems to us like this was a new opportunity that we had not heard about before. And it's the power of connection, right? It's the power of meeting people that are doing things in new spaces. So if you're an accredited investor and you're interested in learning more, I think it's just a good exercise for an education piece as well to come on, meet Bala, meet Derek, meet the team, and then you know, see the fun that's put together and see if it's a right fit for you. So that that's another way that we're framing it. But um, this has been awesome, Bala. I think we could talk for a lot, a lot, a lot longer. I'm not sure if anybody's going to listen to a two hour episode, right? So I, I want to respect your time here. I mean, if there, is there anything else that, you know, maybe you felt like you hadn't got to mention about 10Y or yourself or the model that you feel like would be important for people to know as they're thinking about maybe if it's a good fit for them? Yeah, I mean, I highly encourage people, and this is something I say to everybody that I meet uh, in this context, is, you know, go learn about exponentiality. Uh, learn how to implement it in your own lives. Because we've all been trained and we, we, we very intuitively we think about like linear progression in life. But once you understand exponentiality, then uh, applying exponentiality to business and wealth multiplication will come more naturally to you, right? And if there is any, there is one big thing that I would, I would say, you know, I would like the listeners to take home. It would be to understand exponentiality in. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's something that's not talked about often enough. That hockey stick. Yes. Yeah. It's always the and you brought us back. I don't know. We were maybe minute fifteen or twenty in the episode, but you started talking about the the addition model that people are using, right? It's the it's the slow scale, right? That people that's just the standard across all the industry right standard, now. Yep. Yep. And I think this is another way of diversifying. Maybe you do invest in multiple syndications and you've already done the value add and you have a couple stacked up. And here's just another avenue that's outside the box. And um it's the ground up is exciting for me too, because you explained that delta. And I think the the most exciting part of the the entire thing is the robust team that you've built. Yep. And I'm confident in having conversation with you and having you take the the value of my dollar through this roadmap because of not only the experience you have with building this team, but also the background you have with your tech firm or the tech company that you sold. You not only had to go to different countries to build up your team and set systems together and put the right people in the right seats. That was global, right? And like now we're we're bringing it back to the US. We're we're sticking in Arizona. I know it's not the same exact field, but you reached early retirement through real estate while doing that. 
You yeah. didn't mention it earlier in the episode, but uh, when we first initially talked and you started sourcing, you talked about you know sourcing money and and you know raising dollars for this for your tech fund, and you were you rubbing shoulders with Jack Ma from Alibaba and these big high profile people in the world of finance, business, entrepreneurship, et cetera. And it's cool to to dip our toes in that world. And um, to have someone like you and the team at the helm gives me more confidence in jumping into the upper echelon of these types of deals. So yep. it's an exciting opportunity. We truly appreciate your time for coming on, Bala. Uh, I like the way your mind thinks. Uh, you're very much the engineer, very much uh, in the weeds on this. And a lot of times you you hear people explain things at a high level at top top value, right? So I love that you're in the weeds, Guy. Uh, breath of fresh air. So thanks again. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciated this and I really enjoyed this conversation. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, thanks again, Bala. I, I just wanted to add there, the 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 best part about the 10Y model for us that we're learning about this is that people that are listening to the show, there's nothing proprietary about this, right? Yeah. So you... We you just you just got an hour of learning about a new strategy that you can go implement in your own business. You yes. may not have you may not have the team that Bala has and and that we've joined to do it, but you can certainly go implement this and go buy a duplex and then and trade up and buy a fourplex and buy an eight, buy sixteen, buy a third. Like that's possible. And to learn about how it's structured, I think is also a great educational piece for people. So I just wanted to add that in before we let you go. But again, I want to thank you for your time. I think this has been awesome. We're really looking forward to October twenty fifth at 7 p.m. Eastern for the webinar. I'm hoping people that are listening will want to join and to learn more. But um, I know you're out on the uh, West Coast, so I, I hope you have a great rest of your day and your night. But thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week to the Weekly Juice Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and share with friends. The more ratings we get, the more ears we'll get on our show. And in turn, we'll be able to provide you with more high-quality guests. You can also find us on Instagram at Weekly Juice Pod, where we post daily tips and tricks and document our own journey towards financial freedom. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday to get your weekly juice.